to The Truth and It's Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today I have the privilege of being in conversation with the founder and owner of Heavy Seas Beer, which is celebrating 26 years of brewing craft beer in Baltimore and has taken a complete 180 from their typical beer brewing and recently announced their new line of canned crafted cocktails. Please welcome Hugh Sisson. Welcome to the podcast. Absolutely. I feel welcome. <laughs> Thank you for coming on and um, congratulations. I want to start off with that, you know, for being honest, you got to say congratulations when you you do nearly three decades, you, you know, you corrected, you had the 27, so nearly three decades. So congratulations. Well, I've actually been doing this for uh, 33 years because I had um, my family and I started the first brew pub in the state of Maryland. So I started brewing there in 1989. Oh, wow. And then left that company uh at the end of 94 to start this venture so we're closing up 27 years on the current venture but i've i've been doing this for a, a long ass time <laughs> well that's 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 great to hear and it's great to hear about longevity and all of that great stuff so as we we start off i want to go really like you know high level and ask about what was the thinking and in getting into like brewing craft brewing and so on what was the thinking that brought you to the initial venture which led to you know heavy seas well i was in the bar restaurant business my family owned a little bar in what at the time was an emerging area of baltimore um and i was running it and i didn't know anything about business but <clears throat> i knew that there were eight bars on our block and we needed to do something to be different so I turned the family bar called Sissons uh, into uh, a beer joint back in like 81 and 82 when nobody was doing this. Um, that sort of led me to doing, uh, you know, informal beer tastings, I like wine tastings. Yeah. In order to learn what I was talking about, I started doing some home brewing, which I did badly. Um, and then in about 86, four or five, my father and I got this crazy idea, gee, what would happen if we could actually make beer here in our bar? Yeah. Um, I think there were two, maybe three operating brew pubs in the entire country at that time. It wasn't legal in most of the states. Um, so we did a bunch of research to figure out if we could actually do it. Uh, we did kind of figure it out. In 1987, we introduced a bill in the Maryland legislature to legalize brew pubs. I fully expected it to fail. <laughs> it passed. Uh, so I had the requisite OF moment uh, <laughs> and had to get my fanny in gear. And in 1989, we became the first brew pub in the state of Maryland. And so that's how that happened. Oh, and wow. then, as I alluded to earlier, um, you know, I stayed there for another five years or thereabouts and then finally left to strike out on my own, which is how Heavy Sea slash Clipper City Brewing Company came to be. Thank you. Thank you for, for walking us through through that history in an abbreviated way, because as you said, you got the scars to prove it. So I'm sure there's I a do. lot more in there. Well, you know, yeah. the whole thing is is uh, right, wrong or indifferent and all ego aside, I really helped blaze the trail for for all of this craft beer stuff in the state of Maryland. And, and when you're when you're the first guy, um, you know, you don't know where this is going to go. I mean, right. I remember because I had to go back to the state legislature on numerous occasions lobbying for this change or that change. And I remember walking into a legislative session um, one year and and uh, some gentleman looked up at me and said, oh, Mr. Sisson, what do you want now? <laughs> so, 
<laughs> that, that's that's great. It's like, you know, when, when it's like you said, you, you touched on where when you're the first person and you're kind of making that move, you, you don't have much of a safety net. And you're like, no. I got to figure this out. No, I mean, there's no template to follow. Uh, right. You know, we had to figure all this stuff out. You know, there's 8000 new breweries in the last eight years in this country. And the conversations now run something along the lines of, hello. Yes. Uh huh. I'd like to order a brewery, please. Uh, yes, next week we'll be fine. Thank you. Like, you know, we didn't, we didn't have any of that. We right. Where do you figure this stuff out from the ground up? Thing, things have changed. Things have changed. So, they have. Um, so in, in, in doing that, the, the research or what have you, and in, in reading over, you know, like a, a bit about, you know, heavy seas. So, you know, 27 years now, and words like, and I believe they're on the website fearless, bold, and independent. Mm-hmm. What? If, if you will, what would be the next three words in describing like your brand, your brand of, of, of cocktails now and your, your brand of uh, beer? How would you what would be those next three words? One would be terrified. Um, <laughs> one, one, Honestly. One, would, one, one would be uh, well, you can be fearless, bold and independent, but nobody said you can't be scared. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, I mean, it says fearless, but yeah, come on. Um, uh, I think the other thing is. Um, it's not just a single word, but courage of your convictions. Mm. Um, I mean, you have to, you have to be willing to reinvent yourself. Yeah. So, so, I mean, if you have, we said fearless and that implies the courage, but it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, you've got to be innovative and you've got to have the courage to be innovative. Uh, and then comes terrifying. Yeah. And, and I think that goes into this vein mm. of, you know, I think it takes like uh, it takes courage to create. It takes courage to kind of do things differently. And and, and when you're uh-huh. the first, you know, you have to be like, I got to figure this out. I got I got to do this. And you know, this is the goal. And sometimes it's going to be different bumps in the road and and different oh, yeah. things that are kind of impediments. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's it's all right. So I've been an entrepreneur now for basically my entire adult life. Sure. Um, one of the lessons that I've learned about being entrepreneurial is there is no fixed path. Right. Um, you, you know, you, you start going down this way and then all of a sudden you look and go, Oh, that's an interesting opportunity over there. Maybe I should. And so it's, it's a constant thing of sort of, uh, you know, tweaking the sails as it were. Anybody who's ever been a sailor knows that there's no such thing as a straight line. Right. Um, so I think you have to be willing to accept the fact that there's no such thing as a straight line. Yeah. And that's not an easy thing for a lot of people, you know, to, to accept. And inherent in the fact that there's no straight line means that uh, you, you are going to constantly be finding yourself in a position of risk. I like to use the, the car sort of analogy or what have you, like, um, you know, in, in some of the things that I'm doing and doing this podcast and doing it at the, um, the rate in which I'm doing it, I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm, car- I'm carving my own lane. And you are. when I tell people how long I've been doing, it's like 14 years. Really? Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah. I, you know, before this became a thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, so you can, you understand where I'm coming from. <laughs> I do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you are absolutely, uh, you know, you're, you're cutting your own way and it's, uh, I really wouldn't have it any other way. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, this is this is this is all I know. I think I'd be a terrible employee, um, <laughs> but but uh, but this is this is all I know. Uh, so I'm stuck. 
So, so for, for folks that are in that sort of spot where they're, they, they know that they're not going to be able to work for someone else. They have to kind of do their, their own thing and carve their own path, make their own lane, uh, you know, not sail in that sort of straight line. What do you believe um, contributed to the longevity and the success of, 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 of Clipper and now heavy seas? Uh, well, I think, uh, I mean, part of it is, is uh, clearly tenacity. I mean, it's, it's a truism, but failure was never an option. Sure. Um, so no matter what happened, I, you know, I had to figure out how I was going to, and there were a lot of bumps in the road uh, and there are still bumps in the road. I mean, you know, the beer business is, is, uh, is tough business right now. I mean, beer has been losing share of alcohol beverage dollars to, uh, to wine and spirits, particularly spirits for the last 10 years or so. So, Yeah. So, so the beer market isn't growing. Um, And when you've got 8,000 new competitors, albeit on the small scale in that sense, I mean, how many, how many times can you cut that slice of pizza? Um, This this is true. This is true. So, so tenacity is is a major thing. The other thing that I, um, that I believe is, is critically important is you have to understand the basic finances. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, you know, you see all these things where they're saying, you know, we'll take care of your books. Well, you know what? That's great. But if you don't really understand what your financial statements are telling you, you're screwed. Yeah. Um, I mean, you have to understand that. So, and I think the third thing that is is critically important is you really, really, really need to understand your market and also understand that your market is going to be constantly evolving. Yep. There is no such thing as... I'm done. <laughs> Set it up again. I, I, I had a hard lesson to learn when I first started working at the bar restaurant because um, my undergraduate and graduate uh, work were, was in theater, okay. uh, and uh, as a as a somebody who was directing plays, you know, you did all of your experimentation and rehearsal, and then theory. Once the curtain opened and your show opened, you're supposed to do it exactly the same. Yeah. Well. So I, you know, when I first got into business, it was, okay, how do I get it to where it's perfect and then just leave it alone? And then I rapidly figured out there's no such thing as leave it alone. Uh, So, and I think once I came, I became comfortable with that notion. It was, I wouldn't say it was any easier, but at least it was to live with. Yeah. One of the things that, one of the pieces of advice that I got in kind of transitioning because I have a a business side of what I'm doing and this creative side of things. And right. I, I, I remember speaking to someone about building my website and they're like, oh, your website's never done. You're always tweaking. No. You're always working on it. <laughs> Yeah. And, and, you know, as you said, like, you know, it's almost the same thing with uh, I always joke about painters. You're never done painting. You just kind of stop, you know, it's just yeah. like so I I, I so you, you touched on it a moment ago, like how it's a smaller slice of the pizza, smaller slice of the, you know, smaller piece of the slice. And I look at podcasting the same way where what sets you aside, you know, what makes you unique in this really cloud crowded, like overblown sort of industry. And I always looked at craft brewing um, as imaginative. So where do some of the ideas come from? Like, tell me about that. Uh, Well, you know, it's not easy. I mean, I've been doing this for, for, as we said earlier, a long, long, long time. So when, when we, when all of us who were really there in the beginning, were first getting started to differentiate yourself, differentiate yourself, all you had to be was not Budweiser. 
<laughs> right. Okay. Well, them days are gone. Yeah. Because, I mean, you can't walk into a store now without seeing a mountain of different brands, <laughs> et cetera. So it's harder and harder to differentiate yourself. Um, it has led to some the creation of a bunch of beers that probably should never have been created. Right. Uh, and part of the reason for that is, um, so, so IPA is the dominant style of beer and craft beer. Mm-hmm. If you're a brand new brewer starting up, you're going to make an IPA. But how are you going to differentiate yourself from if you're if you're in the in this mid-Atlantic market, you know, you've got me and Dogfish uh, and a number of other players who are already dominating the IPA category in this area. So what sure. are you going to do to be different? And there's a, I mean, there's some really funky stuff going out there. Some of it's actually pretty interesting. Yeah. You know, some of it probably shouldn't have been brewed, but that's all right. <laughs> and, and that's and 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 having said that, you know. I'm not a beer snob. I mean, this is all, it's all completely subjective. There is no one best bottle of beer. It's what somebody likes that's important. Sure. So, um, but yeah, differentiation is, is challenging. And when you, when you create a brand, you have to create a personality that, that, that brand carries. Um, And then you've got to be willing to, to let it evolve because people evolve. So it's uh sometimes it evolves in good ways. And sometimes you go, wait a minute. Uh, I think we turned left when we should have turned right. Oop, come on, double back. Let's get back where we belong now. Come on. Let's go. It's, it's like that new and improved Coke back in the day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, every marketing study they did told them that was the right thing to do. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> you fools. <laughs> yeah. Talk about stepping on your schwanz. <laughs> nice. I, I, I'll say like, when I when I go to like pick up beer, pick up drinks, whatever, especially during this time of the year's football season, I, yeah. I I joke with my girlfriend. I'm like, "Yo, look, we we need beer. Like, what, what are we doing? The game is in two two minutes. Like, what can we just get some beer?" And right. I take so long looking for beer because I'm I'm looking for something in terms of the branding, something in terms of like if I'm going with my kind of standards, everyone has a certain beer that they go with, sure. but. Yeah. You know, if I'm going to be a little risque and I like to try new things, I'm looking at the branding. I'm looking at does this seem interesting? Things of that nature, like you were touched on with some of these funkier sure. things that are coming out. What 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 are some of the considerations within like the branding and how Heavy Seas is presented? Well, I mean, we've we've had this pirate theme uh, for for years, and um, so I think that you know it's important that we kind of stay true to that to that concept. Yep. We've refined it over the years. We've made it a little less quote unquote, um, CGI graphic, you know, uh, comic. We've, we've kind of stepped away from the comic book thing. Uh, but I don't think we've completely, you can't completely lose sight of the fact that it's still a pirate and it still should be fun. Yeah. Uh, so, so I think that's really, you know, that's the way we're trying to continue to move the brand. Loose Cannon is our best-selling uh, product. Loose Cannon is actually going to be 20 years old in, in 2023. Oh, wow. So we're going to be making some noise about that uh, because you know, it is considered one of the top, you know, 20 or 30 IPAs in the whole country. Um, and I, th- I think it deserves the accolades. But um, 
But, you know, Loose Cannon was also the perfect name for a, for a beer because everybody kind of gets a twinkle in their eye. So, <laughs> so we're now inventing this new line called Impending Doom, which is even bigger than Loose Cannon. Uh, and I think we're going to kind of really wrap our arms around that going into 2023. And there'll be a whole variety of styles that are, that are all about that. And that's also about, you know, not only innovation, but embracing, you know, what the whole branding thing is all about. When we've tried to do lower ABV products, we have not been very successful. And I think a lot of the reason for that is because it doesn't fit with whatever else we've done. Right. So if we want to continue to do some of those products, and there's probably merit in doing that, um, we probably need to figure out another branding strategy just for those products. That makes um, sense. Yeah. Well, it makes sense logically, but you know, making it happen uh, from an executional standpoint is always a challenge. We did the same thing with these new cocktails we've got in the can. Is yeah. is we're we named them so it's part of the heavy seas, uh, heavy seas crafted cocktails, but the the packaging is very different, um, and it's probably. It's some of the same customers that we've already got, but yeah. we did it specifically under the Heavy Seas brand because all of the retailers who are, are uh, God bless them, willing to carry our products, we hope that they will then be willing to carry these as well based on the success of their of the other products. So, and I, and I want to come back to that a little bit um, towards towards the end, but I want to ask this one question about in in with in terms of like history, fondest memories, things of that nature. So mm-hmm. like, like speak about, you know, a few things that really stick out during this, this last 27 or even further back in the 34 years of you in this, this industry um, that really has stuck out for you. And that, okay, that was a fond memory. I would imagine the legislation is a piece of it of like, yeah, we got it. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. Getting the legislation passed has, has been fun. Uh, um you know, we also formed a Brewers Association of Maryland, which I was a co-founder of uh, and was very active on the board up until about three years ago. When I finally said, I can step down, guys, you know, come on, let's go. Um, <laughs> and and a lot of people stepped up, which was great. Um, you know, I think the one of the fondest memories I have, uh, because when, when we first opened uh, Clipper City slash Heavy Seas, uh, it was a tough go. I mean, it was really hard for, in 90, 96, 97, and 98. Yeah. Uh, and I remember distinctly one day I came into work and, and my, at the time, uh, brewmaster production manager came to me and said, um, Hugh, we have this, it's a piece of equipment. He says, it's about to fail. Uh, we're going to have to replace it. Uh, and I knew it was, we were looking at, if we could even source it, uh, we were looking at a 25 to a $35,000 hit. Uh, and I, I looked down and I looked at the finances and then I realized that wasn't going to kill me. Uh, and that was a great day. <laughs> <laughs> I love because it. six months earlier, that might've been a, Oh God. Um, now, as it turned out, we were able to solve the problem a lot less expensively. But just all of a sudden looking up one day and say, I'm going to live to fight another day. <laughs> if you're an entrepreneur, that's a good damn day. Yes. Um, you know, uh, another good day um, was, you know, when we first uh, brought out Loose Cannon is, uh, and we had these really killer 
uh, pirate tap markers that we were using and we we're out trying to sell in draft accounts and we were just getting yeses all over the board and it was one of those things where it's like okay this is at this stage it's eight years worth of really hard work and we finally got something that everybody seems to want to get involved with so those are those are rewarding things and when when you're built something from scratch i mean you, you got a whole lot of kicks in the ass that you take along the way so when you get your wins you gotta enjoy them yeah, that's 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 great. <laughs> um, yeah, I, like I, I had this I had this one small one the other day you, you touched on being an entrepreneur and just some of those wins you got to take them. Like, you know, I'm doing both. I'm doing this and I'm also I have the day job. And right. I, I remember I had a few windfalls come from some work I did, some contractual work I did. And the next day happened to be payday from and I was like, oh, I get paid tomorrow. I wasn't yeah. expecting that extra money. This is great. <laughs> Gotta love it. Yeah. Gotta love it. You know, I mean, like there's, there's so much stuff that it's just not easy. Um, and you know, we, we all see the stories in the media about the, the folks who, you know, in, in, in two years, they went from, you know, a thousand dollars in revenue to $25 million in revenue. Yeah. But those are few and far between. Yeah. That's the exception. And, uh, <laughs> It's way the exception. So most people who are doing their own gig are working their little tushies off. Uh, and that's why I think it's important that, you know, small business people are looking out for how they can uh, help support other small business people. 100%. So, uh, so I got this last last real question. I still got some rapid fire questions for you, but this last real question, I want to tap back into the uh, crafted can cocktail. So like, how, right. how did that come up? How was it pitched? And let's talk about the flavors. Like, how did the team come up with the flavors? Well, it, it, it came up because, as I mentioned earlier, you know, beer has been losing share to particularly spirits for like the last 10 years. Sure. So you know, just stand a, uh, a standalone brewery, 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 it's getting harder and harder. So, you know, at some point you got to diversify what you're doing because the market is shifting. Yeah. So we, we looked at the seltzers and the problem with that was to actually execute that correctly was going to require a pretty significant uh, capital investment on our part. Uh, and by the time that looked like that was something we might be interested in doing, that market was just really crowded and understand that I want to say 75, 80% of the seltzer business is two companies. Um, one is truly. And the other one is uh, oh, like white. What's the other one? Yeah. White claw, which is Mike's hard lemonade and Sam Adams. Yeah. So they're the <laughs> dominant players. Um, so when the RTDs ready to drink cocktails <laughs> on the can thing started to emerge, that was something we could do with a significantly smaller capital investment. Mm-hmm. Um, so that meant that it was feasible. Secondly, um, my, my brewmaster and our quality team leader are two really talented guys. Yeah. Uh, so I felt that, um, that I would, could with great confidence get them involved in this project and then let them run with the ball. Uh, now, we knew we wanted to make an orange crush because that's the ubiquitous cocktail from this particular area. Yes. Uh, other than that, um, you know, I let them pretty much figure it all out from there. I mean, we got market input 
Uh, we all went out and bought a bunch of stuff on the shelves and tasted through some things and decided kind of maybe we want to go in this direction. Some of it was predicated on what did we think we can execute at a high level? Because, you know, I mean, I don't want to make anything that's not good. Right um, now, granted, good is subjective. But um, so, you know, one of the things that's important to do uh, if you're going to be successful as an entrepreneur is and this is not an easy lesson for many of us. Um, you've got to surround yourself with good people and then let them do what they do. And I'm yep. not always the easiest person to do that. Uh, but in this particular instance, um, yeah, I, I let these guys do what they were supposed to do and they did a great job. I mean, the flavors are watermelon crush, orange crush, uh, cherry limeade and strawberry lemonade. And, and we may, we may add some more stuff in the future, although this is so early on in our thing, we haven't really gotten, uh, gotten the market penetration yet that we, and we probably won't until springtime. Uh, with those four flavors. So I don't think we need to be in a hurry to add anything new just yet, but we'll have to probably by the end of next year. That's, that's a strong group of four though. And like each one, like I can't think of one that I wouldn't want to drink if I'm being honest. Well, it's really interesting. I, I, I did, uh, I did a, a sampling at a, at a big uh, beer festival thing down in Easton, Maryland a couple of weeks back. And uh and I was pouring my beer, but I was also pouring these things. And I, I mean, people were coming up because they <laughs> wanted to try these things. Uh, so it was pretty gratifying. I mean, I, I was, and, and, and interestingly enough, um, they wanted to taste them all. So it was fun. That's, that's wonderful. Yeah. Well, it's very gratifying when you're sitting there and just, you know, you love me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're getting it directly. You're like, oh, great. Come on over. That's right. That's right. <clears throat> so I got I got a couple rapid fire questions for you. Um, sure. They're fun questions. They're ridiculous questions. I've added two since we've been talking because I was like, these are going to be asked. Okay. So the first one I have, um, a place that you would most want to travel to. Ooh, right now, probably New Zealand. I just got back from France like like a week or so ago. So. Oh, nice. Yeah. Do you have a lucky number? If so, what is it? I I, I really don't. <laughs> fair. That's fair. That's fair. I, I've, I've had some people say, yeah, number three. Every time I see a three, I'm taking a picture of it. Or, you know, like me, it's probably like 20 for some reason. I'm born in a 20. I years ago, I chose number seven, but I haven't really paid attention to that for so long. So I don't know that it's still valid. <laughs> um. Okay, this is a very ridiculous one, but because of the nature of the branding and all you touched on earlier, name uh -huh. a pirate. <laughs> Uh, well, um, Edward Teach, for one, that's Blackbeard. Cheers. <laughs> so, so. so here's a quick one for you, completely Please. tangential. Yeah. So the, everybody needs a 30-second pirate joke. So the pirate walks into the bar. When he walks into the bar, the bartender looks down and notices he has a steering wheel sticking out of his posterior. He goes, oh, I bet that's got to hurt. It says, yeah, it's driving me nuts. <laughs> that's, that's, that's great. I like it. I like it. That's a good one. That's a good one. So this, 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 this is the last one I have for you. Um, <laughs> I got to I got to maintain composure. Um, I, I always always like to get an idea of like what people eat. Because I'm a foodie, right? What people eat. Uh -huh. What is your favorite food pairing with loose cannon? Like you know, most popular beer. You know, most long. You know, oldest beer and all of that good stuff. Right. My favorite fooding. Well, I'm I'm really big on cooking ribs. Slow cook mm -hmm. on my big green egg. So yeah. I'd say a rack of ribs and a bottle of loose cannon is pretty perfect. That, that sounds great. You know, you're, you're giving out suggestions there. I like it. 
Um, okay. So with that, um, I want to thank you for coming on to this podcast. That's pretty much it. And uh, um, I want to invite and encourage you to tell the listeners um, where they can check out um, Heavy Seas, all of that good stuff, website, location, all of that good stuff, and where they can find it. Yeah. Well, the website is www.hsbeer or heavyseasbeer.com. Uh, we do have a tap room at the facility, which is in uh, Halethorpe, Maryland, just outside of Baltimore City on the southwest corner. Um, there's a beer finder on the website, which will tell you where you can find our products at, at retail. We've got pretty good distribution all throughout uh, the state of Maryland, uh, D.C., pretty decent in Virginia and, and Delaware. So, I mean, we're, we really consider ourselves more of, of a mid-Atlantic brand than anything else. Um, but we should be we should be pretty easy to find. And if not, just go to the website. And even more, we're getting ready to renovate our tap room. So come by our tap room in about four and a half months and come and have a, a good fresh beer right there. That sounds great. So I want to, again, thank you. And uh, I'll do my wrap up here. So um, for Hugh Sesson of uh, Heavy Seas Beer, I'm Rob Lee saying that there's beer history and even a bit of those canned crafted cocktails. You just got to look for it. Arr.